Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Dog Talk. I'm your host, Michael J. Solar, and I want to say thank you guys. As always, starting out with a little bit of gratitude. Thank you all for tuning in, liking, loving, sharing, giving us a thumbs up, and subscribing on our YouTube channel. It means the absolute world to me. As we continue to grow, Dog Talk is getting bigger and following those everybody out there. Because of you guys, we continue to take the next step. Tonight's episode, we have a CEO of Keto Natural Pet Foods, He's going to be joining us tonight to be talking about so many different in-depth points of your dog's diet. I've uh, had the opportunity, as always, to get a little bit of understanding of, of different things. And what we found out is he's also the author of Dogs, Dog Food, and Dogma. So we're going to be diving in tonight's episode and getting all of the details to learning about different points of your dog's allergies, what's good food, nutritional points, and things that you should be looking for as the consumer if you're looking for those different things to keep your dog healthy and happy. So without any further ado, Daniel, welcome to Dog Talk. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Daniel. He is the CEO of Keto Natural and the author of Dogs, Dog Food, and Dogma. Thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Michael. Yes. So as we got started a little bit, uh, let's fill in the audience a little bit about what you do. So you had uh, wrote a book. A few, uh, a, uh, well, I don't remember what year you said. I don't actually think you even said it. What You wrote a book in what year? Yeah, so it's, it took me about four years of work to put it together. Um, I started writing it in 2012, shortly after I got my, um, I grew up with animals, right? But my first, okay. uh, my own dog that I was responsible for. And um, he ended up being, a, you know, as you could expect, he's kind of mentioned throughout the book. Um, but really, I had no intention when I first got him of setting out to like write a book. I was working as an attorney back then. I lived in the city of Atlanta. And my dog was like, you know, I was a single guy and he was like, as I'm sure millions of your listeners or however many you've got would say, he was my best friend and he was very important to me. And I, you deal with like police canines. So you're, you're, you deal with high drive dogs. So my dog's a Rottweiler, big male Rottweiler. And he's, you know, he needed a bout of daily exercise in order to be a polite member of society. Like he was not um, appropriate if he didn't yeah. get a good amount of exercise in. And so that became a topic that I was interested in and trying to understand how to exercise him more efficiently, what would do the job well, all that led me to like just try to understand some of that science better. 
And as I went down the rabbit hole, I learned about the problem of obesity. Obesity is attendant to, you know, physical exercise. They're kind of, they overlap a little bit. Yeah, big time. I couldn't believe what I read about the problems of obesity, the commonality of the problems of obesity among dogs and cats in the Western world. And so I'll give you a couple of like really high level summary facts. More than half of the dogs and cats in the United States today are overweight or obese. So if you pick the next dog that walks by, I have my window right here, next dog that walks by on the street, it is more likely than not that the dog will be overweight or obese, more than half. And the other fact that I always love, I mean, I don't enjoy telling you folks, but it really gets right. Home, is that obesity is worse for a dog, like moderate obesity. So not a clinically massive dog that's just like beyond belief, but just, you know, the kind of everyday fat dog you see all the time. It's worse for that dog than a lifetime of smoking is for a person. We've studied plenty of times how lifespan changes in dogs, depending on the body composition. Right, if you're just right, right. Over, overweight it'll make the dog's life that much shorter, like a human's lifetime of smoking, which is obviously- now, you take, So, I mean, that's a huge, that's a huge comparison, right? I mean, that's a no joke of a comparison, comparing dog obesity to, to somebody smoking, right? I mean, it, we're, we're in a weird way of saying, let's say that's two different points, two major different points on the side of it. So what would be something that would bring that to a connection? Like, so why, like, so for example, when you wrote the book, you did your research and you're discovering that health depletes. So what I'm hearing in that comparison is you're trying to, what I'm gathering, I guess I should say is the dogs eating certain foods is causing their body to deteriorate. Is that what you're really, is that the comparison? Is it the food that they're intaking or is it just the fact that they're overweight? Uh, so when I first came upon those facts, I like, kind of couldn't believe it. It was just like, wow, unreal. And another thing you'll hear is the common, there is like a mainstream explanation from this or for okay. this phenomenon that you see in every major like veterinary textbook, which is essentially that pet owners are loving our pets to death, that we as owners don't understand the gravity of obesity or can't control ourselves and end up reward, giving our dogs more food than they need because, oh, geez, we're just like too negligent or too stupid and don't understand. Okay. And that also didn't make sense to me. I was a dog owner and it was like, no way I would let my dog become a smoker just because I'm too lazy or too stupid to do something about it. And that was kind of like what led me to start working on the, what ultimately became the book in the first place. Okay. And at the end of the day, for, you know, it's a 400 page book, it took me four years to write. And the, there are kind of two main theses in it. Number one is that the true cause of overweight and obesity in dogs and cats is dietary carbohydrate. That if you take that out of the diet entirely, you literally cannot make the animals become obese. It is not possible to do. They have self-regulating mechanisms that prevent it from happening. And that is not, there is the reasoning behind that is spelled out in the book and I'll walk you through it. But basically, that's the take home conclusion that really vets should be telling us all if they're concerned about obesity, they should be telling us all to get carbohydrate out of the, the animal's diet. And the okay. second main um, thesis of the book is, you know, like it's a, to a large degree, it's like this study says this, this study says that it's a pop science book. But there's a big component of it that's also like, well, where did this come from? Like, why are we not after I walk through all the science that supports this stuff in like an ironclad way? It's like, well, why aren't more vets telling you this? And it's kind of the story of that. And the thesis there is basically dietary carbohydrate is hugely important to the modern pet food industry. 
the vast majority of kibble style products are at least 40% carbohydrate and often as much as 60%. So for a kibble company, big kibble company, carbohydrates is central to the brand as tobacco is for a cigarette. Okay. And so they've got a huge amount to lose if you change that. And they've basically done a really nice job of pushing it in. Now, do you also find it that, that the carbohydrates is where you're going to find more of the allergens that we, we commonly come across as pet owners? Allergies are such a tough, tough topic. I, I, you know, when someone approaches me with questions, they say, oh, my dog has symptoms consistent with allergies. I are, you know, I kind of prepare them for the fact that I'm not going to be able to give them a great deal of information. Often in my eyes, some of the symptoms that look like allergies are really a function of something else. But more importantly, even in the most basic dog's diet, there are like so many variables that are changing. If it is a dietary allergy, the kind of the, the reactions like the, the like how to test and try to identify what specific ingredient is incredibly difficult to do. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to switch from a um, the chicken brand of one food to their salmon mm -hmm. recipe. But in reality, you're changing a half dozen ingredients at the same time. If you're making that change, it's really hard. But yeah. what I would say is this, is that the kind of inflammation, systemic inflammation that often manifests as things like itchy skin and flaky skin is often not an allergy, but it's just a product of systemic inflammation. And that is caused by carbohydrate consumption. That's so what you, so what you just, yeah. So what you just described, I would tell you that I would tell you nine out of dog, nine out of 10 dog owners are going to tell you that's an allergy, right? Hey, the dog's skin is flaky. The dog's hair is dry. They're scratching a lot. They're showing a little bit of hot spots. These are a lot of times you're going into the category of allergies. And what you're saying is that's not actually an allergy. It's actually uh, a, a point of the diet, which is normally what's blamed, but they call it the dog's allergic to the food. They should try a different brand of food. Now, the big question is, is always like, what brand is right? What is the ingredients things? And we were talking a little bit about AFCO, right? And how AFCO is what sets the, essentially the doc. So anybody listening, AFCO is the organization designed to set the standard of what is labeled on your bag. So that they're, they're the ones that are saying who, what the ingredients are. Am I, am I pretty much describing that in a nutshell? Yeah, they tell they tell folks like me who own dog food companies what we can and can't say on our labels and in our marketing materials. Okay, and what so we have to say. yeah, so now AFCO is set the standard where they don't have to list the carbohydrates, which also means they don't have to list the sugars, the 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 levels of grain, and all these other different things that are in there. Now, what you informed me of earlier is that they're getting ready to change that. Is that right? Yeah. So you just glossed over something that I think kind of like it shocked me when it's another thing about pet food that shocked me when I first learned it, it might shock a lot of your listeners as well, which is that the nutrition information that has to be included on a bag of pet food includes what is called a guaranteed analysis panel. And it's like the numbers of like what's in there. It's got the calorie statement. It's got the amount of protein, et cetera. There's no requirement, and in fact, it's not even allowed for you to list the dietary carbohydrate content of the food in the box. And so if you say, like, I believe you should, I want to get carbs out of my dog's diet. This is unnatural for the dog. It's bad for obesity or it's bad for whatever reason. You just think that too. Uh, you look at the back of your bag, you are not going to be able to tell how much carbohydrate is in there. You're going to have to either contact the manufacturer, ask them for that information, because I promise you, they know. Or you're going to have to do calculator style math based on the numbers that are in there. You can oftentimes like back into the actual calories or the carbohydrate statement.
But other than that, yeah, it's not required. Like if you look at the back of a can of Coke, like if you and I are trying to make our own nutritional decisions about what we should eat, we use the FDA's nutrition facts panel, which is on the yeah. back of every bag of Coke or, or every can of Coke, every like packaged food that's yeah. sold in the U.S. And the like second line, one of the very first lines is the carbohydrate content, because obviously that's an important thing. And AFCO is so owned by industry that until now, 30 years, they've gone and they haven't required this. You can you have no idea how much carbohydrate is in there. And what you said is correct. At their annual meeting this year, they finally, after a lot of pressure, finally caved and said, okay, we're going to start requiring manufacturers to tell consumers how much carbohydrate is in the food. It's not going to happen overnight. The rule probably won't even go into effect until the end of this calendar year. And then even then, it's going to take time before they require manufacturers to get their packaging all changed. But yes, yeah, soon enough, you are going to be able to see that. And I, um, I expect it'll have a massive impact on the industry. It, it only could. It's yeah. like, a, I mean, it, it sounds almost like a game changer, like almost like you're almost going to put a reset into the dog food industry or animal. I should say pet food industry, uh, since that's their main thing right now. Here's a big thing that you said a few times that I have to bring up to as more of a front thing is. You keep saying carbohydrates is an unnatural thing for for dogs. Uh, so that's something that, you know, I want to point out because, you know, we as humans, you know, we we read about diets all the time. Uh, hey, I it's January 1st. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to diet. There's a keto diet. There's a, this diet. There's that diet. There's slim fast. There's all these different things. When we think about our dog's diet, a lot of times people don't think dog diet. They just think remove a cup of food, add a cup of food. Well, I think the dog's fat. I think the dog's skinny. Then you kept saying uh, so far throughout the, the episode so far is that carbohydrates is unnatural. Carbohydrates is unnatural. So when we think about that, and or I guess my question is, is that when we think of dry food in general, I look at dry dog food or dry kibble. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus in general as a carbohydrate, because I mean, what's holding it together? I mean, I, I'm actually asking this question is what is holding it together uh, in that case? Okay. So I'll say, let me say a couple, you raised a few things. So first of all, our carbohydrates are natural for dogs. So what that means to me is if humans didn't intervene in the process, would this be something that dogs would be doing today? If like we had never evolved to, to you know, take care of dogs, what would they be eating? And you can answer that question really easily in the mind. It's like really hard for you and I to go figure out what our ancestors used to eat, what would be natural for us, right? Because they're not around anymore. Like there are very right, few places yeah. in the world where you're going to find indigenous peoples living like they used to live 100,000 years ago. Well, in the case of dogs, they are around. 
the dog, the split between dogs and wolves occurred some 10 to 30,000 years ago, which of course sounds like kind of a lot, but in evolutionary terms, it's nothing. 99.99% of your dog's genetic evolution lined up perfectly with the wolves. So they just split at the very end. And they're so similar that, you know, like if you ask a biologist, what's two different species? How do you tell something is two different species? What they typically say is, can they breed or not? You can't like a walrus and a, you know, chimpanzee are different species because they can't breed with one another. It doesn't work that way. Dogs and wolves are distinct species, but they're so similar that they, as you I'm sure know, commonly interbreed. You have maybe yeah. a million dog wolf hybrids in the United States right now. They're incredibly similar animals. And coyotes as well. Yeah. There are gray wolves today walking around in the United States. You don't have to do it this like mental time travel. You can just go see and you can find out. And that's exactly what I did in the in my book. When I'm researching the book, I went to Yellowstone National Park and I lived with the biologist from the Yellowstone Wolf Project, which is like the premier institute for the study of wolves in the United States. And you ask them, what is it like to be a wolf? And they'll tell you all kinds of things about it, how they move, what their behavior and what their ecology is like. But when it comes to diet, one thing that is rock solid, like the, the principle is they eat meat and meat alone, 0.0% carbohydrate. They literally, it one, one of the very few things that makes them different from dogs is they don't, they like can't even digest dietary carbohydrate reasonably well. So you like, if you get to, I saw this in the field, you get to a wolf kill that's been picked over and the pack has moved on. So it's a bison or a moose or something okay. like that. You only find two things. What you'll find are the bones that are just too big. You know, these are big animals. And some of the yeah, femurs or pelvises or something like even all these wolves can't get through. So you find these big, large bones. And then you find these big wads of grass and plant material. And what that is, is the contents of the what's called the rumen. That's like how bison and elk and moose digest all this plant material is it's like fermented in this digestive organ. It's kind of like a stomach and wolves will literally eat the stomach line. They'll eat the lining around it, but they won't eat because they can't even digest it. They can't eat the carbohydrate that's in there. So they eat no carbohydrate. And so when I say it's completely unnatural for a dog to have carbohydrate, that's what I mean is that for 99.99% of their evolutionary heritage, they eat zero carbohydrate. And now it's the backbone of the modern pet right. diet. Yeah. Um, okay. So the other thing you asked is, Kit, what, so when I say it's the backbone of the modern pet <laughs> diet, what I mean is exactly what you're referring to, that for ages, since kibble was created, it's been assumed that you need dietary carbohydrate in there as part of the, you can't make kibble without it. And the way I like to explain that, what, what, why that is to folks is if you've ever tried to bake anything, a loaf of bread or a cupcake or whatever, without flour, then what you'll, you'll know that what happens is the dough, does, when you heat it up, it doesn't hold together. It just wants to fall apart. And that's because that's what the diet, the starch does in the diet. The carbohydrate does that. When you heat it up, it gelatinizes, it breaks down and it like serves as a binder that binds all the ingredients together. And that's essentially what's going on in kibble. Kibble's like meaty bread, you know what okay. I mean? And so if you want to make kibble, and so I, I wrote, I published my book in 2016. And by the time I had written it, I was like, if people should be not feeding their dogs carbohydrate, what can I do for my dog if I want to do that? And it's like, oh, well, there's no kibble option for you. If you, if that's what you want. So I appreciate you going right into the next question, which was 
how did keto natural diabetes go? go oh, well, it, it was not easy. Let me tell you. Here we go. Here we go. But that's basically the intellectual challenge that we had to solve. Finding a way to get the ingredients to bind together and hold together when you heat them up and when you dry them out, create a shelf-stable kibble without using the starch or with using as little as possible. And that okay. was kind of the exercise. There are some animal ingredients, like some tissues, that do have a sticky kind of binding quality to them. There are some sources of indigestible, like fiber, basically, mm -hmm. that serve as binders. We have, you know, our, our recipes are less than 5% carbohydrate, which is like 90% less than the other kind of ultra premium brands. But okay. like we, we weren't able to get it to zero. Some limited amount is in there. And then there are issues involving how it's shaped as well. Like some certain kinds of shapes require more binding force to hold it all together and some kind of less. And so combination of those things and a lot of trial and error is what we had to go through. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's like the the conception of kibble is this is a meaty bread. This is like, there's gotta be carbohydrate in here. Um, but it's not. The yeah, it's, brand it, think, I always, you know, it's funny is, uh, you know, when I first became a trainer, I used to go to people's houses and, uh, you know, they would always ask my opinion and I would tell them flat out, I'm not a nutritionist. This is not my, it's not my forte. You know, my dogs are on a, on a more of a raw meal plan. Uh, I'm a firm believer in a natural diet, which is, you know, those things. And, and uh, they were always like, well, what's your problem with uh, dry food? And I said, well, it's not really, you know, I, at the time and, and not not present day, but Mike 20 years ago would literally just be like, well, I would be tired of eating Cheerios every day. That was just my, my, yeah, it's a lot like, you, that. Know, you know, my response. Right. But then as I started getting older and getting more nutrition, I found that there are some good good kibbles out there you know if you could do the research you can find them well you i mean you have one right that's what you're saying. i know yeah well it's, it depends what you believe. i mean like there's it is unfortunately the case that it is incredibly difficult to be a well-informed pet owner that's trying to make good decisions yeah. you gotta dig right it's incredibly difficult yeah. and so and, and that's what you accept as fact basically like if you if you're there are plenty of everybody you know there are more than 300 kibble brand or kibble different styles of kibble being sold in the united states right now yeah. and every single one of them is saying the same thing ours is uniquely healthy for your dog and so it's like what are the what kind of reasoning do you use to support that claim is kind well, of what it all boils down to that's funny it's funny how you just said that that was what i so the people that are very close to me will know that there's a famous there's a there's a phrase that I live by, which is always know the sales pitch. If you and and, there, and my wife always laughs when I say that. I'm like always know the sales pitch, and she's and when we first started dating, she's like, "What the hell does that even mean?" And I'm like, "You could find the truth when you know the sales pitch." So if if the sales pitch is our food is unique, it means it's not. If if it's you know if it's this is this it's it's this like if you know the BS like so for example hey sign up for your free water test well that means this guy's selling me a water filter right because that's what he's telling me right now he's not going to come to my house to test the water for free he's coming to my house to sell me the water treatment which means there's always going to be something wrong with my water. And when it comes into to the food, if you talk to the one sales rep, then the other food is no good. You talk to this trainer, the other trainer is no good. You talk to this person, the other person's no good. And the truth be told is if you want to find the facts, look past the sales pitch, because when you look past the sales pitch towards the education. So instead of saying, this is what I sell. We talk about what this is. And so far tonight, what we have talked about is your research. We talked about how the carbohydrates are no good. 
And you, you've beaten around the fact that you've created a dog food. Like you haven't even talked about it yet, which then to I me, hold on. you know what I mean? It's like, I, here's the, the course of events. Here's, right? the, here's the facts, right? Well, for me yeah, as a guy, I mean, it's, it's so here's, there are, on, let me, hold on, hold on. Let me finish this. Hold on. All right. So my point of this is, is that what I like about this so far is the fact that you're just telling me the facts. You have not yet talked about the fact that you're offering 20% off your keto natural pet foods using the, 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 the discount code of podcast 20 all caps. You didn't mention that you haven't talked about your food. You've talked about your dog. You talked about the wolves. You talked about all these things and I'm loving this, man. I'm seriously loving it, Daniel, because of the fact that we've been on the, we've been on the horn now for over 30 minutes and you haven't one talk to anybody on how to get your food, which it's killing me because obviously we need to get your food out there. Right? So everybody, listen, if you guys are interested in this, as we continue the conversation, please check out keto natural pet foods.com. You can, if you are interested in purchasing some, you can use podcast 20 again, that's podcast 20 P O D C A S T 20, and you'll get 20% off your order. This is a, a huge thing to talk about because like I said, with my wife and I would say, always know the sales pitch. You didn't give the sales pitch. You didn't give the marketing twist and I'm loving it, man. I'm actually loving it because you're teaching these, these breakdowns. So I got to ask a quick question here and, 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 uh, before we go into the food, because I want to change the subject to back to the food, but I want to ask something else because I love the fact that you, you brought up how the wolves were eating the bison, eating the moose. And, and I'm, you know, as a component of, natural things, natural points. And I always say to people like this, you know, if we went outside, if our parents locked us outside as toddlers and told us to survive, we would die. But my dog, on the other hand, wouldn't, you know, cause I got into an argument one time where somebody told me that dogs are domesticated. And I said, my dog does not get dressed. He does not go to work. He does not pee or poo in a, in a toilet. He doesn't cook me dinner. And it's all these things, right? So they were trying to convince me that the dog has to eat cooked food. The dog can't, the dogs are domesticated. They don't survive on their own. And I'm like, that's not true. That's why they chase squirrels. They chase cats. They, this is, that's natural stuff. We are untraining those things. And, and what's killing me, and you might know this just because you seem to be a researcher. I read a study three years ago <clears throat> that, and it's funny because you brought it up, you triggered it back in my mind. I can't remember the study, but you might know it, where the generations of dogs and wolves is is uh, only I think it's like six levels or seven levels apart. Where if you if you took a dog and bred it and you stopped human contact, it would go back to its like I forgot how many litters, but it would generate back to its natural look with pointy ears and longer snouts and stuff. I, I, man, I and I remember they did the study to prove it. And I can't remember what the name of it was. I don't know if you if you remember or not, but when you said the the closeness of the I mean, they're incredibly similar. It, yeah, it doesn't ring a bell for me. It doesn't ring All a bell. Right. I know that, you know, at this point, scientists have like mapped out the entire genome of the domestic dog, mapped out the entire genome of the gray wolf. And so they can sit down and say, here's where they're the same. Here's where they're different. And the number of places where they're different is like vanishingly small. It's basically okay. two things. The first is the one I mentioned before. It's like there's a digestive component where wolves... Yeah there's a thing that's called amylase. Amylase is an enzyme. You make it, your dog makes it, wolves don't make it. It's a salivary enzyme. Like if you take a piece of bread and you put a piece of bread in your mouth for a while, it'll start to taste sweet. 
And okay. the reason that it'll start to taste sweet is because amylase is breaking down the complex carbohydrates into sugar. That's like how that digestion works. Yeah. And that's what's going on. Your dog has evolved the tendency to do that. Wolves don't do it. So they can't, that's why they can't even digest. Like your dog can barely digest carbs. That's how a wolf does it. So that's the one way that they're genomically different. And then the other is all the brain stuff. It's like they're quite different as a matter of brain matter, basically. And so it results in different behavioral qualities that, that I'm sure you're very familiar with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. So the other question I had, and then we're going to get into the diet thing, was the fiber. So the wolves ate around the essentially whatever the goes to the, the, the digestive system of Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus which was fiber right so it's the grass that bison's are eating things like that so it where does the fiber come in with a wolf are, are they eating is it common to see them eat more grass or wood because no, they're eating more meat no that's not that's Very like minimal yeah, very minimal. I mean, it's like essentially nothing. Like I, I'm not exaggerating when I say that their diet is 0.0% plant matter. They all they okay. eat. It's like saying like, you know, a lion doesn't have fiber in its diet either. Um, yeah. it's the same kind of thing. It's like there's not, you know, there are recommendations for fiber in the modern canine, like do domestic dogs diet. But it's not because they're put to some kind of nutritional use. Like the, the definition of fiber is basically it passes through the animal without being digested. It is not like, unlike carbohydrate or fat or protein, which are drawn out of the food and go into the body and become part of the body once they're broken down. Fiber is not like that. It just goes through and sweeps it out. And so nutritionally- yeah, Called the lubrication. Sort of, yeah. But it's kind of like a, a, a function of like what's going in the front end as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you see wolves in the wild and you probably are familiar too, because you said you feed your dogs a raw diet. Yeah. The scat that they produce, the stool that they produce is tiny and hard and wants to disintegrate and just kind of break, you know, it'll turn yeah. white. It'll essentially like a very, an all meat diet, the stool looks completely different. And so like yeah. the need to like flush the system of, I won't get into too, deep, too much detail about herds, but like, yeah, there's just a different requirement there. But hey, you know, consume any fiber at all. Yeah. That's why it's not often you, you step in it. Right. So now right. getting, yeah. So now getting into you, you wrote the duck, the, the, the duck that you wrote the book, did the research, developed these things. You started your company uh, where you're now the CEO of Keto Natural Pet Foods. What so with the design of the food? How did you come about the design of this food? Uh, we put a bunch of smart people together and worked on it for about a year, basically. Um, got a lot of the smart people yeah, when they get yeah, together, you know, veterinarian food scientists, like there are people who make food products for both human beings and pets and livestock animals that just know 
from a manufacturing and processing standpoint, how to make, how to achieve certain kinds of goals. We're the best manufacturer in the world making our food, basically. Okay. And we're all committed to a, like a singular kind of goal. Like when I, but when I published the book in 2016, I, I was the market for, for a product like ours. I was like, look, right now, if you go out into one of my dogs freaking out here, if, cause her mother came home. Um, if you go out into the market, you say, I, I'm somebody who wants a low carbohydrate meal for my dog. It's circa 2016. You got two options. You could either feed it some raw, though, not all raw diets, right? You could say like, basically I'm going to find a raw diet because some of those contain very little or zero carbohydrate. There is, they can be all meat, which is great for some people. For some people, yeah. that's a difficult proposition. If you have, you know, I've got, this one is just one of three that we have, but my big one is a, a big adult male St. Bernard. And the difference, if you're buying a commercially prepared raw diet, the per calorie price difference is, you know, like five to one or something. It's massively yeah. different. So for a large dog, it can be prohibitive. Or you're going to feed the lowest carbohydrate pet food you can find, uh, kibble food that you can find. And that's going to be 25, 30, 40%, something like that. We tried to basically give it the best of both worlds. Took us a year, managed to do it, went through all the testing protocols, started feeding it to my own dogs and introduced it in 20 of 18. So the mark, right, 2018, early 2018. And um, yeah, it's, it's a very, very, you know, you said before, when somebody tells you something's unique, well, it's like, here's how ours is unique. Yeah. 90% less carbohydrate than your other, whatever you consider the most premium kibble that's presently on the market. Ours is like 80, 90% less carbohydrate, a very measurable, demonstrable way. There's really yeah. nothing else that's very like it. Let me go let this dog out. Yeah, absolutely. Take the, take the second. See, we, uh, my girlfriend and I, Brady Bunch, you know, the Brady Bunch where it's like, yep. he had the kids and she had the kids. <laughs> yeah, bring them together. Like, but she loves her mom more. She loves me. But um, yeah, so that was like, that was what we were trying to do. Carbs of a raw diet, convenience and cost of a kibble together. Managed to do it. We sell it directly to consumers. We don't sell it through stores. Right. Um, it's a subscription program where you basically come to our website. We ask you a dozen or so questions about your dog. You answer the questions and we calculate exactly the amount that your dog needs. And we ship it to you exactly at the right time. And we have like, processes and policies that make it like some people hear that and they're like, oh, I don't how I know my dog's gonna like it. And we have like a hundred percent money back guarantee with no return shipping required. So if you okay. buy it and your dog doesn't like it or whatever, any any reason whatsoever, it's no questions asked policy, we refund a hundred percent of your money, including shipping. So wow, that's amazing. So you're standing by at hundred percent. I mean it sounds like that's what that that's what you're saying. My name is for a lot of companies where there's no I, my name, my personality, my reputation is tied to the company directly. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and that's because I believe in it. Now, any of the, so this is something that would never, is this something you would ever put in a store shelf or is it yeah. something that you yeah, would put in a shelf? It's a means to an end, basically. Yeah. The way this is, this will get into matters of business development and stuff, but like, but it's not that it's not that it's one of those like it's got a short expiration date or nope. something like that now. Nope. So it's gonna it'll be okay to last long. Sold if you go to the website, you'll see it's sold in big, beautiful 24-pound bags that feature nicely on store shelves. We've just said no to this point because like it's just our growth plan, kind of how we intend to be a big company involves us doing this exclusively for a period of time and then kind of flipping the switch at some point.
Gotcha. So a couple of things that I'm, I'm going to be curious about, right? So we're starting to talk about the dog turds, which is always a weird thing to have, you know, it's, you know, why we're talking about poop, but you know, as a, as a parent, as a dog owner, it, it's sort of crucial, right? Because you were mentioning when a dog is on a, a solely raw diet, their poop comes out really thin, hard. Uh, it, it's almost like dust. I tell people it turns, yeah, it turns into dust. and you can literally, if you get too close to it, it just crumbles into nothing. Yep. Uh, your like grass grows right? fantastic. Like literally my grass is ridiculously long all the time uh there's no burn spots like i always i cut the grass once a week and it always feels like i'm in the, in the jungle every week uh it's crazy to think about the level of natural fertilizer in a sense that's coming out of it so this is my question to you is when they go on your diet what are we seeing what is it more close yeah we, we literally call it out it, what, what's going on there is basically a high protein diet that has very low carbohydrate content is what produces that. It's not the fact that it's consumed in a raw state. It's what's actually the constituent parts of the food. Yeah. So when we send our first like shipment out, we say like, okay, here's what you want to watch out for. One is your dog's poop is going to look different and it's going to, it's exactly what you described. So it's going to be turned into more of that powdery. It's, it's almost Water, as if the dogs are pure raw. There's just less that's passing through undigested. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. Less. I mean that's a big deal to think about. I mean that's that's you know people don't realize it, but what's the nice part about having your dog on a diet like that is less cleanup because you can't. I mean, you look, I gotta say, Bernard, there's no. It, it, it might be less, but it's not. It's not little. <laughs> yeah, way. yeah, yeah. But it's but it's what I mean by less cleanup is the fact that like so when I switch my dogs over and they were doing the raw thing, like when you go to clean up, it literally just turns into powder. So you're almost yeah. better just letting it do its thing and fertilize yeah. your lawn yeah. than it was to pick it up because by the time you pick it up, it crumbled. It didn't. Although I will mention something that is uh, a phenomenon that you'll see is uh, maybe this is two in the weeds, but basically dog eats too much fat or too much carbohydrate. It gets stored in the body as fat. Basically, that's what happens. Yeah. If it eats too much protein, more than it can make use of for, you know, organ turnover yeah. and muscles and whatever, they basically pee it out. And so you will, if you feed a dog a, a higher protein diet than the kibble you had previously been feeding it, the excess gets peed out and that tends to yellow lawns. So you often will see in either raw fed, high meat fed dogs or in like very high protein kibbles like ours, you'll see yellowing spots on lawn. There, there are products you can buy that if that's a problem for you, you can deal with. But it's fine. I, I, don't I do not experience that. Yeah, uh, I, I, I tell you, man, I do not have hot spots in my yard. Are whatsoever. you willing to tell us what do you prepare your dog's food yourself or do you feed a commercial? I, I used to, but uh, my career has made it to where I, don't I yeah. yeah, I have to now get it pre-made. So I use a brand of uh, called Canine Cravings, um, which it's a pre pre-made tube with everything put into it. So it makes life a little bit easier. But it was really nice making it myself. It was just now it's just inconvenient. That's the yeah, one it is. It it's, it's not the right fit for everybody. Yep. But I was, I, it was just, now, I actually have another dog that I can't put him on. What do you mean? So he has a pancreas issue. Oh, I see. Okay. So he is he was unable to digest the food. Now, this is something big because what I found in very recent years. So I've been training dogs for a little under 20 years been in business 15 years. So I've been blessed with, uh, with an amazing community in blue line canine. Uh, you know, uh, the community has been huge, the people, the owners, the families that have been touched. And what we're seeing really recently, and I would say the past one to two years, a lot of dogs coming up with a lot of health issues, uh, pancreas issues, weight gaining issues, a lot of stuff. And 
I've also noticed on the flip side of that, because obviously now uh, I'm also a CEO of a company that we're seeing a lot more of more dog food brands popping up all the time and dog treat brands. So I'm almost wondering if there's there's something that people are doing that they're over manufacturing something or did the manufacturing go, go down? Like did the big dog food companies that had really good food sell out and they changed the ingredients? And because they didn't really have to tell anybody, they didn't tell anybody. It's a real big question of curiosity. And now, and, and it's intriguing because I, I forgot when keto really became popular. Was it two years ago? A year, was it 2018 or 19? When the word keto a, was like general phenomenon. Yeah, general phenomenon. Was it not? I, tend, that, I feel but, like the constitutional stuff, the stuff that originally got the ball moving was like 2006, 2009, but it, it grew in popularity later than that. It just seems like it got really popular. And it doesn't seem like that long ago when it got yeah, really, it really popular. Uh, so it's funny is because if you ask me, I don't even know what the word keto, I don't know what that even means. Keto, you know, it's like, it's well, a popularity. It's one of the, the only reason we put it in our brand is because the AFCO regulations literally prohibit, literally prohibit. You cannot use the expression low carbohydrate on your bag. So it really? is possible for a brand to like, the, okay, you don't know how much is in your, you know, blue Buffalo or whatever. They're, they're, they're not going to tell you. Yeah. And I'm going to give you a number, but you're, it's not going to mean anything because you don't know what you're comparing it to. It's difficult as a producer to say, here's the main thing about my product. It's got a low carbohydrate content. And so our way around that was, oh, we're going to use the keto prefix because that is a, it's an accurate description of what the diet does. It yeah, I mean, and it means it's, it's low carb. carb. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the big question is looking at it is so now, like I just said, we have a lot of consumers, a lot of people in the blue line canine community and family. We are finding that that their dogs are becoming ill. They have stomach issues, GI issues, skin issues, high allergies, whatever you want to call it. Right. We're seeing this more and more. And like I said, even myself, I have a German shepherd with a pancreas issue that we have him on pancreas and we had to put him on a kibble. Uh, he's unable to do the raw. And it it, I'm not even going to kid you, man. It, it kills me inside knowing that I'm feeding him kibble. Not because I have any problem. I don't have a problem with kibble. It's just, I had a dog and I told you the story, but I'll tell everybody else the story. I had a dog years ago, had uh, hip dysplasia, a lot of health issues with him. And that's when I started getting into raw diet. I put him on the raw diet and, it, and his life just completely turned. And it, I'm not going to suggest that anybody just go do the raw diet or, or any of that kind of stuff, but do your research. I personally dug in and I experimented with it and I learned my dogs. That was probably was the most important thing to me is you really have to learn your family members and understanding that their stomachs are different. Like even right now, I have three dogs and one with a pancreas issue. And so I'm going to throw this at you is, is, is a dog like him who is on the key is on a, a kibble, right? Is the keto natural something that would be good for him or bad for him? Is this something that would be cautious or uncautious? Like what would you suggest knowing what's in your food, how you're designing your food? Where do you feel? If people are having high allergy, and I know this is a very long-winded question, but yeah, sure. I'm trying to look at it as a consumer point. If my dog is eating a lot of grass and woods and sticks, uh, scratching a lot, uh, trigger points. Like, what are what are some of the things that you feel would trigger somebody to say, "Hey, maybe I should try this"? And what should I look for in the sense of a negative? Like, my dog's on the pancreas, pancreas stuff. So if I switched, what would be the risk factors of switching? So you abs, you know, there are very sensible regulations surrounding pet food in the U.S. that prohibit folks like me from making disease-related claims. So I can't say, "Well, my dog food cures COVID. Come and get it." Something like that. Like very reasonably, you can't do that. So you'd be feeding I'm not the world. To touch, like, <laughs> yeah. say pancreatitis or pancreas issues 
I can't, you have to talk to your vet about that. Your vet knows your dog directly. Yeah. And you have to synthesize that information that they're going to give you with what you're getting about the food outside of that. Yeah. That being said, there, I mean, there, it is an undeniable fact that there are some disease related, some disease conditions that have a, are directly impacted by carbohydrate in a way that it really blurs the line at, between what yeah. you can and can't talk about. So specifically obesity and diabetes. In both of those cases, the evidence is so clear that if you take down the carbohydrate content, you get a better outcome that it's like, I, I'm pretty willing to like push it in my marketing materials talking about that because it's just undeniable. It's just like, yeah. that's the subject of my book. It's just like, look, study after study after study, every single time you give a fat, like this, this same experiment has been done countless times. You take two groups of dogs they are exactly the same and all, always. You give them the exact same number of calories, okay? So both dogs get whatever, 500 calories, the exact okay. same number. All that's different is that one group gets most of it from protein and less of it from carbohydrate. The other group gets more carbohydrate, less protein, same exact number of calories. Every single time they do it, they, they get the same outcome. The carbohydrate dogs get fat. The other dogs don't get fat. It's undeniable. And it's just right. like, I feel comfortable. I can say stuff about like, you know, the FDA considers obesity a disease, rightfully. Yeah. And so I have to be a little oh, bit yeah. mindful about that. But basically, that's like undeniable. And diabetes, yeah. in the spirit of what you were just describing, is an increasingly common disease in dogs and cats in the Western world. And for any of you readers or listeners who aren't familiar with it, it's basically a, a thing where your body can't digest sugar well. It can't deal with sugar well. Like it's got a very highly adapted way of deal. When carbohydrate comes in, it makes blood sugar go up and it's really bad for you. It's really bad for your dog. And your dog has to produce this thing called insulin that makes all the glucose go places where it's not going to hurt it. And diabetic dogs can't do it. And so if you don't give yeah. them any carbohydrate in the first place, you don't have blood glucose and they don't have to deal with the insulin. Um, and so that's another place where I, I feel mean, it's like. Crazy. Well, that's going into uh, dogs having human diseases now, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's yeah. a, that's a, 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 that's a big deal for me. I know, I know me personally, I'm allergic to carbohydrates. I used to be a 32 inch. I ate some carbohydrates. Now my waist is a lot bigger than that. I keep swelling up all the time from eating the carbs. So, you know, I couldn't imagine as a dog. Right. Uh, and also the, the image of dogs. So we actually started accepting the image of a fat dog. Oh, it's horrible. Uh, I mean, it's it like, is, it's not in my opinion, it's, uh, it's, it's disgusting to see that, uh, you know, dogs need mental, physical stimulation. They should be physically fit. You should definitely see their rib. We, but we're coming to a point where we're, we're accepting this obesity point as a, it's, it's, standard. Healthy. it's it's it's, it's yeah. not it's really bad for them you know overgrown toenails uh the hair the the in most and this is one of the things that i'm going to take a second just to describe this to a lot of people is, is there's a funny thing about dogs being obese that most people really don't pay attention to never mind the fact of the health issue like all these other things but if anybody's ever had a back injury or if you know anybody's ever had a back right. injury so we have to think about this on a, and a weird point is we are upright right? Dogs are not upright. We are upright. So we get to have a muffin top. So us being chunky, our hips is what's holding up all of our fat. So our, essentially our back is not really being strained all day long from holding our fat. unless we bend over, pick something up, something along those lines, because we have the muffin top, which is apparently popular now. Like it's why I didn't even know the phrase, but your dog on the other hand is bent over 
and their spinal cord is what's holding all of their fat. And it's causing your spinal cord to bend in the opposite direction, which then as the dog gets older, six, seven years old, just running to play a game of fetch with mom and dad and enjoying life, they can literally slip a disc, herniate a disc, pinch a nerve. And what is, it's crazy to think about is like, now I'm seeing dog chiropractors. I'm seeing all these different things because, and it's because of this, right? So we have to think about it is if you don't really care that maybe you like the fact that they look a little chunky or thicker whatever it is, please take into consideration that you're causing other issues outside of diabetes, high cholesterol, skin issues. Think about just, could you imagine just going for a walk and slipping a disc because your stomach swayed? Because that yeah. literally happens. Um, I know. Yeah, it's an excellent point. I hadn't thought about it, honestly. It's like that, you know, there's nothing that, I don't know, my dog loves to eat. Like it's undeniable, but like the dog is happiest when it is, I'm sure you see all the time. Yeah. It's like, when it's out doing, when it's being active, running around, playing, wrestling, that kind of active play is super, super pleasurable for my dog. And fat dogs can't do that nearly as well. And it's just like yeah. you're denying your dog something that it really wants to do. And you're also going to make it die early. And it's it's an amazing thing to think about. Like I always say, it's like you you should be able to see them. They should be. You, you know, uh, I think it's even funny. I used to go to people's houses when I see the dog like that was in shape. And I always call him sexy. Like, oh, that's a sexy little dog, yeah. you know. People are like, What's wrong with you? And I'm like, it's just it's odd to say it's just not it's not a common thing, you know. When you yeah. see that athletic dog that's able to leap and bound and be energetic, you know. So I I ladies and gentlemen, um, you really want to check this out. Go to his website at keto natural pet foods.com. That's K-E-T-O-N-A-T-U-R-A-L-P-E-T-F-O-O-D-S.com. Uh, your first order podcast 20 gets you 20% off your order. It's something that you might want to give a shout and try and check it out. See if it's something that you and your dog are really going to enjoy. Um, because again, with the health of your dog also means a healthier point. And something else I point out is that when the dog is healthier, it's less vet visits, it's less medications, yep. it's less yep. everything else. So a yep. lot of times I know we always hear about, well, what does it cost? Now with shipping and handling, that's more money, yep. uh, this, that, and the other thing. But you have to start looking at your long game, right? The average life expectancy of a dog is anywhere between 10 to 15 years. You put your food together. You start really budgeting in those things. It's coming to you directly. It sounds like Dan has already figured out the whole process of how much your dog's going to consume, when the thing needs to arrive. You'll be picking up in front your front doorsteps. It's not even one of those things. I tell folks, our pricing is on a per-day basis. You can see. I mean, it's like sometimes – I don't know, all at once, it feels like a lot, but like at the end of the day, if you were to switch your dog over from whatever you're feeding, the raw diet you're feeding or my diet, which is expensive as kibble goes, you're switching from that to just all McDonald's, like just all McDonald's chicken nuggets and nothing else, your cost is going to go up like four or five times, okay? 400% higher. It's so, so it's like you might have, we may have grown accustomed to feeding your dog something that costs 50 cents a day. But when you stop and think about that for a second, that's not, it doesn't make the food that you feed your dog and the food that I feed my dogs expensive. It's just like marginally less incredibly cheap. You know what I mean? And it's like, you would never eat only McDonald's because you know, it's like, it's very, you know, it's not the quality that you need. Right. So yeah, it's, We've just but again, got- think about the other supplements you're putting in. Are you putting in fish oil? Uh, what are the What is the other one? Glucosamines. These other points that your digestive system, all those other stuff. Like for example, 
Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really big into numbers. I'm also a business consultant outside of my dog training stuff. I do a lot of business and I always tell people you need to know your dashboard, your dashboard in particular is your budget, right? So like my dogs have their own budget. They, they get their own, you <laughs> get their own expenses and it's, it's weird to say it, but it's true. So that way it's like, well, you have X amount of money for the vet, X amount of money for this, X amount of money for that. And the thing is, is that when they don't spend, then they get bigger, better toys, bigger, better dog right. beds, crates, whatever right. it may be. Yep. Uh, because obviously if they didn't go to the vet except for their annual checkup, then you don't need to do certain things. Uh, it, and natural remedies are really not a bad thing. You know, if, if you think about it, there's a lot of science that's out there saying that these certain products are good. There's, and I'm not trying to knock any product that out there. I, mean, I will never say that I'm a full fledged expert. That's why we have people like Daniel on the show is to talk about their stuff and teach us and educate us. And that's, what's awesome about this stuff. So listening and learning from you, Dan, it's, it sounds like you, the keto diet is, is more about getting the dog on the natural playing field, but also not inconveniencing people, uh, with the thing. Cause it is a kibble, which means they don't have to. So with raw diets, we can get sick from it. Uh, because we, yeah, we right. have to, you have to clean the bowls, clean the storage, right. open the freezers. You, right. it's, it's a lot of work, uh, to, to do a natural diet of raw. Uh, it's a lot, a lot of work that goes into it, especially trying to keep like in my house, little kids away from the dog bowls because <laughs> I don't want, they don't wash their hands. Yeah, like, you're like, wash your hands. Like it's, yeah. you know, it's not uh, for everybody. It's that's, no. And but I mean, it's, that's, seems that I say that's the gold standard. I mean, like I own this business. Okay. And I, I want it to succeed. Don't get me wrong. However, if somebody has unlimited resources, and unlimited patience and tolerance for the amount of work they're willing to put into their dog. The gold standard for my money is to feed the animal a raw, all meat, complete and balanced diet. So commercially prepared product rather than something made at home. Because if you buy a commercially prepared, complete and balanced diet, you can feel comfortable that the micronutrient content is exactly where it needs to be. Whereas if you buy yeah. your meat from the butcher or whatever, you can, there are different meat parts contain different amounts of stuff. And so for me, again, if money's no option and if convenience issues like sanitation and preparation and storage don't bug you, do that. That's the best thing. That's the most natural thing you can do for your dog. But yeah. if you got to give, give on like the stuff that doesn't compromise nutritional content, like make sure you're at least feeding it the same nutritional content, protein, fat, carbohydrate, as it would in that kind of environment. And for those kind of people, we're a better fit than everything else that's kibble out there. Yeah. So it's, it's a way. So ladies and gentlemen, please go over to keto natural pet foods.com. You can make your first order at podcast with the, the discount code of podcast 20. Sorry for my mumbling, but again, keto natural pet foods.com. And you can put your discount code of podcast 20, get 20% off your order. This is a natural dog food that is designed to keep your dog happy, healthy, and full of energy, bringing them back to that point. And it's a weird way to thinking about it, but Again, you could judge a lot by the waste, right? And if the dog is yep. getting a good waste out there in comparison to these really stinky uh, or all these other points, it's something to really consider out there. If your dog is having allergies and or having all these skin issues and you're looking to switch, this might be the brand for you to check out and go from there. So that's going to be our show, Dan. I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. It, it's would. been a real pleasure. I hope to have you back on. Uh, and I'm probably going to order some of this myself. Uh, try it out on my dog with the pancreas issue and probably give you a ton of feedback and seeing how it goes and where it turns from. So 
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching, loving, liking, sharing, subscribing, and letting your friends know about this amazing show as we continue to grow our community, bringing on amazing guests such as Daniel, author, uh, CEO of, of Keto Natural Pet Foods. It is truly amazing to see how big this community is in our pet world going international and bringing it all to you. Because as we all know, that finding the right information out there is one of the most difficult things. So I'm doing it for you. I'm finding the experts and bringing them to you. So make sure you're sharing this with your friends and giving us a subscribe and a thumbs up on YouTube. And we'll see you guys all next week. If you want a little bit of motivation to get through Wednesday, then please come back to BLK9 TV. Check me out tomorrow morning, 8.45 in the morning for an episode of Stuck in a Truck, where I'll give you a little bit of motivation to get you over the hump of the week. I'll see you guys all next week.